Restart that whole thing. I got one line wrong, so back to the beginning. No, no we can't. We're on a very tight oh, schedule. Shoot. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming the hosts of the Unknown Studio, Scott C. Bourgeois and Adam Rosenhart. That Devin. seems likely. That seems like something that Adam would have planned. Devin's too tall. And much too Stan tall. is too short. But Jago is just, just right. right. That is correct. See what we did there? 
Really? Somebody handed us beers before the show, and it is hot up here. We are dehydrated, and none of us have eaten. So, yeah. hey. So we're, we're making a podcast tonight. There so, are 20 or 30 more people here than I expected. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah, we were r- literally expecting Cal, our guest, Karen. Maybe, that's actually it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's wonderful that you guys came out on a cool, rainy evening because it's no good to sit on a patio in this kind of weather. So That's basically the only reason. We're really happy to have you. That I'm here. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. So Well... That's terrible. It's a, <laughs> that's actually a terrible thing to say, <laughs> and I don't appreciate it. We are recording a podcast live. Who has never listened to the Unknown Studio before? Show of hands. 20, 40. So all of you. Okay. Well, thank you for giving us a shot live for your first go. Yeah, we're really, really sorry. Normally, you would just hear the sounds of our voices and imagine what we look like. But tonight, you get to see the whole package. This. All of this. And because it's hot, you get to see the phenomenon where my hair gets poofier and poofier through the evening. And my skin glistens. That's right. More and more throughout the evening. I should not have worn black. <laughs> wow. Wow. I'm going to move this out of the way because it seems like it's kind of obstructive. I'm going to stand in front of mine <laughs> and ruin your view. Um, so it's been really hot. It's hot in here because I'm wearing a wool suit for some reason. Because we are smart. Because it's one of two suits I can afford. Uh, this was a gift from my parents, actually. <laughs> I'm 35 years old. Uh, so, so we thought, you know, what better way to kick off a show uh, than to bust out a whole, bu- a whole bunch of it's so hot jokes. So do you guys know how this works? One of us will say it's so hot, and then you say... It's like you practiced. Wow. Do, do we give them all cards beforehand? I no. These are really funny. <laughs> By the warming, way, we are the opening act for tonight's comedian. I yeah. just want to point we've, that out. And we've already apologized to her. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> She's in the back rewriting her set because we ruined her. Um, so these are from the internet, which makes them legitimately funny. Why? So there was some laughter there. It's good. They've, they've used the internet before. Really? It's available on computers now. Okay. <laughs> Did you know that, this is just completely tangential, did you know that the cell phone turns 30 in Canada on Canada Day? Isn't that Ooh. weird? Happy Canada Day, everybody. Almost. Actually, when people are listening to this, it might be Canada Day. So happy Canada Day, not live listeners. Yeah. Thanks for showing up. <laughs> okay, should we get to these jokes? Sure. It's so hot. How hot is it? Farmers are feeding their chickens crushed ice to keep them from laying hard-boiled eggs. <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs> it's so hot. How hot is it? That you need... Weed to wake and bake. You don't need weed. You don't need weed to wake and bake. I misread that. I obviously should have printed this in larger font. This is your fault. This is all my fault. Okay. Okay, here we go. It's so hot. How hot is it? When the temperature drops below 95, you feel a bit chilly. I know what you're thinking. I don't know what Fahrenheit is. So I asked Siri, and she said, 
95 degrees Fahrenheit is 35 degrees Celsius, which makes the joke funnier. <laughs> How are we doing, Scott? It's so hot. That I saw two trees fighting over a dog. It's a pee joke. <laughs> See, that's what makes it funny. So I saw three different versions of that joke when I was interneting. Yep. And I didn't get it until now. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't. Then why did you add it? Because I wanted you to say it. Okay. It's so hot. It's so hot, the Salvador Dali estate is considering suing Mother Nature for copyright infringement. <laughs> you guys love us. This is going so well. This is really good. It's so hot. How hot is it? That two hobbits walked by my house and threw a ring inside. That was not on here. But, but I did steal it from the internet, yes. so there you go. All good things are stolen from the internet. Um, we have a really great show for you tonight. Uh, you've seen Apocalypse Cow perform one song. They're going to perform like 30 more. <laughs> Three more. They're going to do a set, and it's going to be great. Uh, we'll be interviewing Karen Unlin, formerly of Post Media Labs. Now she's doing something else that's really interesting. We're going to talk to her about journalism later and on. That is what our podcast is mostly about, is yeah. talking to people about stuff, not just terrible jokes. Not just. Not just terrible jokes. But, you know, still. Uh, comedian Claire Belford will join us in the second half of the show. And we'll be doing a very special segment that we've never done before, so it won't fail. Uh, it's called Battle of the Trexes. It's what everybody really turned out yeah. for tonight, is to see the Star Trek thing. Yeah, because I'm obsessed with it. Um, <laughs> But now I think it's time for you to do something for our audience, Scott. I believe you're right. Something special. If you've ever heard the show, you'll know. And I have to pop backstage to play a song. Just for me, not for you. <laughs> I'm just going to go back there and sing to myself. Now, uh, uh, in previous seasons, we would have more segments in our show. And one of the segments that Adam foisted upon me because of my smooth, dulcet reading voice was to do dramatic readings of totally inane things. And so... Tonight, live for you, and not live for all of you listening to the show later, mm -hmm. it is the return of a dramatic reading from Scott C. Bourgeois. Okay. Stan is very short. That is not part of the reading. That is a statement of fact. <clears throat> New Corsair series, Edsel styling in its proudest form. Here is automotive styling with a distinctive look that is unmistakable. The Edsel vertical grille has elegance and power. Special Corsair trim highlights the length and sculpture of the body with just enough chrome. Even from the rear, you recognize an Edsel's flight deck lines at first glance. Inside, the Edsel Corsair combines rich luxury with quiet simplicity. And it offers room to spare, for with Edsel's full 120-inch wheelbase, you enjoy extra size, extra comfort, and extra smoothness of ride. 
yet with all this quality, value, and all-round elegance, an Edsel Corsair still is priced with the most popular three. What three, you ask? We will never know. Contour seat interiors in Corsair sedans and hardtops have a special feature that will keep them looking trim and smooth. The luxurious nylon-faced tapestry cloth inserts are bonded to foam rubber backing in a handsome pleated design. Self-regulating electric clock is one of the many extras an Edsel Corsair offers at no extra cost. Others included are a high-performance V8, stainless steel full-wheel covers, wall-to-wall -wall carpeting, and special interior appointments. Self-adjusting brakes are a standard safety feature in every 1959 Edsel. Apply the brakes well in reverse, and they adjust automatically! whenever needed to provide full braking efficiency and smooth, safe stops. New dual cluster taillights accent the smooth sweep of Edsel's rear flight deck. Optional backup lights are mounted in these distinctively styled light clusters. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, new Corsair series, Edsel Styling in its proudest form. Thank you. That was pretty dramatic. That was pretty dramatic. Look up old car pamphlets. You'll note Google. that the standard safety features in the 1959 Edsel Corsair, it does not include seat belts. Seat belts, not a standard safety feature. Who needs them? No, really. Do you guys actually wear seatbelts? Yeah. Oh, okay. You'd yeah, think I knew was, you'd like that. You'd think you'd like that, honey. Or something. Yeah. Really? Okay. Thank you, Scott. Next up, because you heard them open the show, and, and you're done hearing from us. Let's be fair. Yeah, we've we've annoyed you for long enough. We're going to invite Apocalypse Cow to come back up onto the stage, and I should note that they are real troopers. For one of their members is performing while severely ill, and later on tonight they will perform while one of their members is severely injured. Now it's up to you to figure out which of them is ill and which of them is injured. I think you'll be delightfully surprised. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Apocalypse Cow. Cool. Ladies and gentlemen, whoa. Gruel. Don't get injured. Ladies and gentlemen, we are Apocalypse Cow. My name is Devin. My name is Stan. My name is Joel. My name is Joel. My name is Jago. He's and a sick one. Thank you. Thank you for stepping on my line. Joel has pneumonia, everybody. Yay. Normally, my voice is in the Mickey Mouse range. Yeah, pneumonia! So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joel has pneumonia. So uh, we asked him four or five times if he thought we should cancel, and he said, no, I love Scott and Adam too much to let them down. This is a Britney Spears song. <laughs> that was the best intro to a song yes, ever. It's good. One, two, one, two, three, four. <laughs> 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 that 
can't you see? Ding, 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 I'm calling. I gotta keep digging to where I want it. It's dangerous. I'm falling. There's no escape. I can't wait. I need a hit. Baby, give me it. You're dangerous. I'm loving it. Spinning round and round. Can you feel me now? Oh, the taste of the lips. You're toxic. I'm slipping under. Oh, the taste of a poison paradise. I'm addicted to you. Don't you know that you're toxic? And I love what you do. Don't you know that you're toxic? From my devil's cup, slowly it's taking over me. Too high, it can't come down. It's in the air, and it's all around. Can you hold my mic? Oh, the taste of your lips, I'm out of rock. You're toxic, I'm slipping under. The taste of a poison paradise. I'm addicted to you, don't you know that you're toxic? And I love what you do, don't you know that you're toxic? Don't you know that you're toxic? Taste of your lips, I'm on a ride. You're toxic, I'm slipping. Oh, the taste of a poison paradise. I'm addicted to you. Don't you know that we could have had it? You're gonna wish you never had me. But you played it, you played it, you played it, you played it to the beat. I think I'm ready now. I think I'm ready now. I think I'm ready now. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm Brittany, obviously. Okay. Clearly. This next song is a beautiful arrangement of a beautiful cover of a beautiful song. And this is the first time we're going to sing it on mic. How long have we had this song in our repertoire? We've had this song in our repertoire for technically six years. First time on stage. No pressure, guys. No pressure. Tell me I'm wrong Cause I've been wanting 
watching every move that you make. Hearts you steal with your makeup and heels. Trouble for the man that you take. And every time you walk in the room, I can never be sure of a smile. Never the same way twice, but I'm falling in love night after night. Oh, it's crazy. So many people they said, Girl, you, you ain't got nothing but time. Oh, you. Shining star, don't you worry about what you're leaving behind. And every time you walk in the room, I can never be sure of a smile. You were never the same way twice, but I'm falling in love night after night. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy, you know you've got to try, 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 oh, you know you've got to try, try, try. Devin R. Bruce, ladies and gentlemen. Guys, we did it! Oh my god! <laughs> uh, this next song is by the only band I know that's named after a laugh. You'll get it in a minute. We never, we never say what the songs are, by the way. Dum, 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 
song is aha aha that sounds more like an exclamation it than does a laugh. kind of aha <laughs> i just wanted them to know why it was funny okay i heard that's what we do on this <laughs> we podcast. also wanted to know why that was funny <laughs> too little too late my friend <laughs> all right we're on the last song i believe right yes. this is the last song of the set all right yes. so with my newfound super bass powers oh yeah we figured we would sing a part or at least i was singing a part where i could sing super low now as you all know, whenever there's a super low part, it has to be a sexy song. So, that being said, we are going to sing the up. sexiest song that we know, featuring the sexiest guy that we know. Okay. Mr. Kyle Jago. What? <laughs> sexy. I know. It's, it's weird when it's you look really at it. Weird. Sexy Jago sounds weird. Yeah. Just wait for it. Yeah, I, I did see. get the haircut, so. <laughs> that helped. A sexy haircut. Ah, yeah. Tonight is the night that you and I are going to make love. You know how I know? 
Cause it's Monday. And Monday night's the night we usually make love. It's a night when everything's just right. There's nothing good in the PBR that we haven't already watched. And Netflix, well, we went through that on Thursday. All of Netflix? Everything. It's a night when everything's just right. You say something to me, something sexy like, I might go to bed early, I have to work tomorrow. But I know what you mean. You mean, ah, uh, yeah, that's right. It's business time. It's business time. It's business. It's business time. That's right, it's business time. The time for making love, baby. It's business. It's business time. That's right, we're brushing our teeth. It's all part of it. It's called foreplay. You go sort out the recycling afterwards. That's not part of it, but it's still very important. You come back into the bedroom, and there I am in my volunteer t-shirt from last year's fun run. And my socks. Because you know when I'm down to just my socks. It's business time. They're business socks. It's business. It's business. That's right. Rum, 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 baby. It's business. It's business. Making love. Making love for. Making love for two. Making love for two minutes. Honey, two minutes in heaven is much, much better than one minute in heaven. Afterwards, you say something sexy to me like, is that it? But I know what you mean. You mean, ah, oh, yeah. That's it. You say you want some more? I'm not surprised. But I'm very sleepy. It's business. Business hours are over. I'm like a bank that way, baby. It's business. Thank you. Sexy Kyle Jago. Sexy Jago. Sexy me. Where's Sexy Adam and Sexy Scott? They're nowhere to be found. Cool. You said it was business time. So we were in the back <laughs> preparing to come back out here. Show us your socks. <laughs> no, I refuse. I showed my socks. Because um, I just give it away that way, apparently. Which mic was Joel using? Okay. That's the plague mic. That's now. <laughs> you guys were great. Thank you so much for playing that set, especially you, Joel. Deciding not to quit, even though you should have. 
That's very awesome. So next up, we're going to invite Karen Unland up onto the stage. Big round of applause for Karen. I'm not going to give her Devin's mic, which Sorry? is super high. You're not going to give her that mic? I'm going to give her the shorter mic. No. They told us not to. Yeah, have a seat there. I don't think they are. I don't think that's a thing they do. It is a thing they do. They, they adjust mics. They do not adjust. That's a myth. It's like chupacabra. <laughs> it's not like that at all. It isn't at all like that. Karen Unland has been the online editor at the Journal. Yes. You've also been a journalist. Yes. You've also you also invented Capital Ideas, didn't you? I co-invented it. Okay. Does everyone know what Capital Ideas is? So a few of you do. Karen, why don't you explain it? Sure. Is this mic working? Yeah? Okay. Uh, Capital Ideas is a community of business owners helping business owners by sharing what they know. They do that at live, uh, live monthly events at the Edmonton Journal, weekly in the pages of the Edmonton Journal, and also now in Calgary. So we've expanded it to Calgary. That's very awesome. How, uh, how successful has Capital Ideas been? It's been fantastic. We've got uh, more than 2,500 members in Edmonton. I can't see you. Hang on a second. <laughs> it's all part of the illusion. We, uh, we kind of set it up stage-like yes. so that people could see us all. all right. Normally, we'd all be huddled around one microphone. There. Now we're talking. Sweaty, right. but close. Too close, really. Right. Yeah. Too close. So close. <laughs> <laughs> no, Capital Ideas have been great. We've got uh, 2,500 people in Edmonton who uh, participate in our thing and more than 800 in Calgary. And it is so great that I can leave it and it'll keep going without me. You took away my next question. <laughs> it was a good segue, though. It was a great it was segue. It a really great segue. So what are you doing now? What am I doing now? Well, I am uh, sticking around uh, the office to bother uh, Jeff Sabsnow and help him get ready to, to take over the reins fully. He's already being the boss most of the time and doing most of the stuff. Um, but I am going to launch my own venture. That's exciting. Yes, it is. And yes. terrifying? Yeah, it is. It's terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> but it's really hard to be um, exposed to entrepreneurs for three years without and not want to be one. I mean, the, the people who uh, find found businesses in this city are really smart and really interesting, and um, I feel like I've been studying them for a long time, and now I want to do the homework and try it out myself. That's amazing. Now, now I know that you went from uh, editor at the Journal. To, to sort of doing your own thing for a little while. And so you actually, before Capital Ideas started, had the opportunity to sort of um, get a taste of entrepreneurialism. Yeah, I, I learned how to do it wrong. So oh, is that, that right? Excellent. Yes. So what do, you, what do you mean by that? How does one, okay, so other than going bankrupt, start a yeah, business I didn't, wrong? Yeah, I didn't lose my house or my husband or anything like that. But um, I, so I worked at the Journal for 14 years, and I... Um, in 2011, I felt that I had done all that I could do there and that it, that, uh, it was time for it to try something else, so I quit. And I said, I know, I'll be a consultant. So, because um, I know stuff and people will pay me to tell them that stuff. And that was actually surprisingly true. Like some people did pay me to help them do project management and find stuff out, but... It's kind of living the dream in a way. <laughs> Getting paid to just dream. tell people what to do. <laughs> you, do that better. I, I don't think they should call them consultants. You're, you're more like a communications Yoda. <laughs> going out there, advice. <laughs> 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 right? Deadline. Your deadline is not 
don't know. I can't. That is not realistic. One hundred dollars an hour. <laughs> that's right. So I was. <laughs> that's right. I've been a consultant for six years. Yeah. Certainly, do or do not do. There is no try. Is a very big part of. I what see one what does. you did there. Yes. So, um, I was lucky enough to to get some gigs and learn a lot doing that and and I could have kept doing that but I didn't really have a very good sense of how you build a business and um, and how you keep building your business so it can grow and grow and you can make more and more money I was just kind of selling my time so then I got this other opportunity to go back to post media and work on this project that led to capital ideas and in the process of doing that plus some other things I've been doing I learned how to do the real business part uh, working with business owners is a pretty great way to learn how to business. Yes, it was my very sneaky way of engineering this so that it would be a little mini free MBA. Oh, uh, the master so plan it comes it. out at last. <laughs> and it was totally planned, right? Like that's, that's what you set out to do. Absorb the knowledge for three years and then go do your own thing. A little bit. I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> wasn't, uh, it wasn't, Brittany LeBlanc is my co-founder, uh, the co-founder of Capital Ideas and, and she and I, we figured out how to do this together. But we just noticed when, when we had this opportunity to make something that would add value to the community, that would be useful to, for people to Edmonton in a different way, using the, the, the tools that we had at our disposal at the Edmonton Journal, um, we just looked around and said, you know what's happening in Edmonton is entrepreneurship. We should do something around that. So that's where it landed. There are a tremendous amount of entrepreneurs in Edmonton. Why do you think that is? I think that the whole ethos that um, informs, that makes something Edmonton message is true. Like this is a place where you can come and make stuff and this is a place where people will support you and lift you up. And um, there's just so much collaboration that happens here that it's really, um, it's just fertile ground for people to start stuff and see what happens. Are you seeing, in, with your time at Capital Ideas, are you seeing a lot of success among the people who who come out, or, or I don't know how to say this tactfully, are there a lot of people sharing stories about failure? Because the wisdom says, fail and fail quickly, yeah. right? Yeah, so I think that a lot of the people that we've had on the panel and that I've talked to have said, this is a great place to fail. This is, this is a place that if you try something really hard and it doesn't work, there will be people there who will remind you of what was good about what that was and will help you build the next thing. It is not a sort of um, stick your boot on the throat of the other guy and push him down and say, ha, 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 you, you suck. This isn't really a, a Game of Thrones city. No. You know, <laughs> there's no red wedding for business. Not so far. Not that we know. <laughs> we've we've uh, discussed before that Edmonton has kind of like a small town feel to it for a big city. And do you think that that maybe contributes to why uh, so many entrepreneurs in Edmonton are interested in reaching out and networking and helping each other out and kind of helping that community to thrive rather than stabbing each other in the back? Yeah, it's hard to be mean to people you, you know, like, and trust, right? It's like, and so I think we are very connected. I think that probably there's a lot of people in this room that I know from a few different things that we have lots of weird intersections for our lives. I think that the social media community in Edmonton is very interconnected and it, it makes people, um, it puts people in touch with each other so it's easier. Did that, did that whole interconnectedness make uh, the idea of leaving Capital Ideas difficult for you? Or 
no, because I'm staying in, in this community, right? And the, th the next thing that I'm doing is going to be just part of the same cloth and, yeah. And you really trust Jeff Sampson now? <laughs> I do trust Jeff Sampson now. My one regret about leaving, uh, well, uh, it's not my only regret, but one regret that I have about leaving Capital Ideas is that I won't have longer to work with Jeff because he is so delightful to work with and so smart, and he gets it, and he'll take it to the next level. He's also one of the most relaxed people I've he ever met. He is, yes, and that is one thing that's... Uh, interesting for me and probably weird for the people in the office because I am not a relaxed person. <laughs> and so it doesn't really matter if things are going well or that things are going poorly. Jeff is like at the same level and uh, you can tell how things are going immediately by soaking up the vibes that are coming off of me. They're going great or they're going terrible. So, so there's never an in-between for no. you. And yet, <laughs> you're pursuing your own thing. Yes. And part of that starts with a few trips out to New York City. Yeah. So can, you, can you tell us a little bit about that? I would love to tell you about that. So I just got back from the uh, Beat Business training program in uh, New York at the Town Knight Center for Entrepreneurial Journalism. So this was uh, this is a new program that was founded by uh, Jeff Jarvis and some other people who are looking at future media and figuring out what can we do to tend the seeds for the, the next thing that's going to come along. Uh, to unite us all and inform us all. And so there's 16 of us in this class who have come with all kinds of ideas. Um, to Some of them are hyper-local news sites in places like Glen Rock, New Jersey, or um, Saratoga, or um, Reno. Some of them are um, ventures that look like online magazines that are aimed at baby boomers or... Um, or African-Americans, or um, there's there's all kinds of different things that are happening there. And my idea, do you want to hear my idea? Yes, <laughs> you've left us in do we want? <laughs> do we want to hear Karen's idea? Okay, so I wanna, I'm gonna launch a podcast. You're going to what? <laughs> this? Remember about collaborative and not... <laughs> Get out. <laughs> This interview's over. <laughs> no, that's really exciting. Yeah. Tell us what it's all about. So the podcast is called Seen and Heard in Edmonton. And it's the subject of the podcast is the bloggers and podcasters who are doing great work in Edmonton. And so every week, or every however often I can do this, I will be uh, interviewing uh, a blogger or a podcaster about what he or she is doing and what other local blogs and podcasts he or she uh, consumes. Well, and this is kind of in line with stuff that you've already been doing because you are one of Edmonton's premier blog watchers, I would say. I Thank you. I'm going to put that tagline on my stuff. You should. <laughs> you haven't had any business cards made yet, have you? No. Okay. Let's sell her the idea. Okay. Let's do this. Okay. Five dollars. We'll talk. Five hundred. <laughs> I'm so bad at negotiating. But there is money connected to this, possibly even for you down the road, although I've got to build the thing. For me? Well, yeah. For us? For yeah. me? For well, that's what I hope. Probably just for you, let's be fair. Because <laughs> <laughs> I am embezzling. I know whose coattails I'm riding. <laughs> <laughs> no, because as you say, Scott, so I, I pay enormous attention to what is being said in Edmonton's blogosphere and podcastosphere. And, um, you just coined another term. <laughs> this has been an amazing night It's like night I'm barely so talking English anymore. Um, 
and there's a ton of people who are doing great work, some of them for free in their spare time, some of them for whatever little bit of money they can get from like Google AdSense or, or uh, and, and some people making a career out of it with um, that and sponsored ads and uh, or sponsored posts and things. But I just want to figure out a way to get you guys more money so you can keep doing your thing. And I also think that you have great access to uh, the smartest people in Edmonton, and uh, local businesses want to reach those people. So, Well, we have access to you, and I'd say that that puts us up there. So, so you, it's interesting that you would say that, because it's, it sounds like you've been developing this ecosystem, uh, either deliberately or not, that's going to supplement this next phase of what you're doing. So was it deliberate? Was like it where, deliberate? where you're like, I'm going to create capital ideas, and from there, I will cultivate a community of business owners, oh. and then I will uh, dot, 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 question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> profit. Profit. <laughs> well, I do want to get a profit so I can <laughs> do, do this. But um, no, it has, I, d I don't think that it's, I could see into the future, but I do. I am a person who is says step one, step two, step three. So uh, I decided I want to be a journalist when I was in grade four. And, and I just organized my life so I could do that. And I just wrote for every opportunity and or I wrote for every newspaper that I could and I edited the Gateway and I went to uh, Carleton and got my Master's of Journalism and I got uh, hired by some papers out east and then I came home to the journal. And I, like, that's, so, I mean, I didn't say in grade four, I'm gonna be the online Journal or online editor at because the journal because what the there hell was, was no online? internet then. <laughs> no. There's going to be this thing. Yeah. <laughs> a network of computers. An internet. That's if super you will. prescient, actually. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know where I was going to go, but I knew where I wanted to go. And so, you know, uh, I get it's the same thing. So I'm just setting my new, my next plan for the next tw 20 years. So, uh, I mean, we've got a little bit of experience with, with sponsorship, with online ads. And you and I have talked about this a little bit. I believe the model is broken. Yeah. Uh, you know, you look, at, you look at online properties like YouTube. YouTube's algorithm, algorithm actually uh, rewards frequency. It doesn't reward quality. And I don't know how you tell a computer to measure that. So, you know, just to load the question, is online advertising, how do you think online advertising is broken? And what can we do all of us on stage to fix it. The three of us on stage. Yeah, right now. Let's fix yep. it. That's let's fix it. I'm going to fix it. Um, so what's, there's a lot of things that are broken about it. One is that there's no scarcity on the internet, so you can't charge very much for anything that is sold on volume. So um, that's one problem. The other problem is there are very efficient ways of getting, of buying just mass advertising now that involve very few humans, mostly robots. And so um, it can be one way for people to do what they want to do, but it isn't an intimate or customized way of reaching an audience. So I listen to a ton of podcasts, local and otherwise, and I think that that's the first place to experiment with a better way of doing advertising. I love, if, if you guys listen to um, Gimlet Media's uh, um, products, so they've got a, a they have a uh, startup is one is their first podcast, and then they did uh, they do Reply All and Mystery Show. They have a kind of advertising on there that is curiosity driven, and I want to try that here. Curiosity driven advertising. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't understand how that works. I'm very curious about it, personally. <laughs> well, because I've been talking about to business owners for a long time, and they all have interesting stories about what they do. And so I could call someone and say, we were talking, I was talking to Rachel about uh, Traveling Tickle Trunk, who you've had um, as a sponsor in the past. Um, you know, if you I could call Brenda Kerber and say, tell me about a couple whose life you've changed with your things in your store. That would be an interesting story, and that would be an interesting, that would be as interesting a story as when I interview you guys on Seen and Heard in Edmonton about your story. So it's interesting that you would say that, because I, I find, and I don't know if you guys will agree with me, but think about Super Bowl television advertising. That stuff, those ads are good. The good ones are good, because they do actually, in about 30 seconds or 60 seconds, tell a story. And that's one of the things that I think it is missing from advertising. It can't just the story can't just be twenty percent off. No, it's not compelling enough. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't know what else you can tell us about what you're building without giving it all away. Oh well, I'm no good at that. I'll, I'll give away everything I know. I just don't know it yet. I Get out your it pants. <laughs> Here's what I can tell you on my Twitter on, on my Twitter today. At, there's a sign up form for my newsletter my new newsletter that I made today. Uh, so and if you what go is to your Twitter? Go to at Karen Unland, K-A-R-E-N-U-N-L-A-N-D. I saw some pens moving. Yes, I will keep you posted on what I'm doing. Um, so just click on the link and sign up. And, and you can build it with me, and you can uh, follow along as we go, and you can volunteer to be a, a guest, and you can volunteer to be an advertiser, and all kinds of things. Very cool. Now, this is a tremendous idea. Thank that you. you could probably take anywhere. Why are you staying in Edmonton with it? Oh, I, I love Edmonton. Edmonton is where I'm raising my kids. It's where my husband and I have deep roots and all of the support that we need to raise our family and uh, make this business and live our life. And we're here on purpose, and we want to stay. Plus, the high-level bridge now lights up. <laughs> And that's pretty cool. <laughs> so yeah, we've, we've actually cultivated a really great community. Before we let you sit back down and go to our intermission, I do have one last question. Okay. Is print dead? And I'm being serious, because this is a conversation you and I have had off and on for a couple of years. I'd say, is vinyl dead? Because it's the same question. Touche. Yeah. So it is, there, there is something, there's, it's a really interesting thing about print. Because when I was the online editor at the journal, I spent that four years just saying, Jesus, why can't we kill the print product? Because all of the energy is going into this instead of to the website, which is a much better way of telling people the news. How about we tell people what happened as soon as it happened, as soon as we can, and still wait, instead of waiting till tomorrow? But two problems with that. One is that most of the money still comes through print advertising, and there's a reason for that. It's not just that people are, don't know what to, that they, they don't know that they can spend their money elsewhere. Um, it's because there's a permanence and a, and a significance that people who still buy print advertising feel. Um, and the other thing is that print, and I discovered this through Capital Ideas, is a medium that is uniquely suited to making people feel special when they are in it. And the internet isn't quite there yet. So if you, if, if you end up in the newspaper, your mom will cut that out. You will um, hear from people. You will hear texts. The people that we put in the newspaper with Capital Ideas, they, they 
they tell me, like, all my friends were texting me this morning because it was in the paper. I didn't even know anybody read the paper anymore. <laughs> um, it's just there's something about print that signifies something in, that this is important. This is worth paying attention to. So I don't think that maybe in, in the distant future it will be a daily product, but I think it, that it will still exist in a way. Um, who knows where the technology will be? Like I was listening to Apocalypse Cow, like you're, that was the soundtrack of my teenagerhood, aha, uh -huh, and, and Blue Rodeo, like, anyway. Swoon. <laughs> so after the show, you guys need to, you know. Um, that's, that's how old I am, okay? <laughs> and, and the technology has changed enormously. We, we, bear, we did not have email when I was editor of the Gateway, okay? So, so much has changed technologically for in, in the media in the time that I've been involved in it. Imagine what it's going to be like in 20 years. You can't really predict. That's a really interesting insight about cutting stuff out of the paper. Here's the weird thing. That yeah. still happens to me. When you're in the paper? Yeah. If I appear in the paper, my mom calls, my grandmother calls, all my family members are like, I saw you in the newspaper. I am literally on the radio every day. I know. <laughs> and I still get family members yeah. who are like, oh, you were in the paper today. Yeah, that was special. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I guess. <laughs> Very special. It's the story of my life. <laughs> On the radio, you get, you get no respect. Well, no, but because it's ephemeral, right? Yeah. A podcast is an interesting hybrid because it's a little less ephemeral. You can keep it. You could... It's, it's different from the radio. Your dulcet tones that go all across on, uh, on iNews 880 or in 630 Chad, they disappear after you say them. They're gone into the ether. It's so upsetting, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's very sad. When you put it that way. Melancholy. <laughs> You're making me sad about the media no, care. No, be happy. Like, honestly. Okay, you, you probably want to wrap this up, but I just have to tell you. So in 2009, I read this um, essay by Clay Shirky called Thinking the Unthinkable. And it was about our newspaper's going to die. And, and he kind of laid it out. And at that time, lots of people said, techno-utopians, what are you talking about? That's not going to happen. And then we watched it happen. Um, he says at the end, nobody knows what will work, but that means anything might. And that we have to have as many experiments going on as possible so that journalism continues and, and the knitting together of the, of the community that all of the independent media makers in the city do continues when the unthinkable happens. And so I'm very excited to be doing my little teeny tiny part in that. And I'm very excited that you guys are doing your part too. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us on stage. Karen Unland, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to take a short intermission so that you can refresh your uh, everything, beverages and whatnot, because you don't want to be sober for the second half of this show. <laughs> and we'll be back in about 15 minutes, so, uh, so check your watches, and we'll see you back here then. And we're back. We are back. How about that intermission? This is the best part of the show so far. It was 15 or so minutes. That's right. It was, was it the best part of the show, Scott? That's the worst thing you've ever said to me. It is so hot. Stan, we talked about this, and you are correct. <laughs> now, uh, 
speaking of, of how hot it is, well, are you uh, planning to do anything this summer while we are on break? I am going to go camping with my lady friend. Where are you going camping? Well, first it you was... You think this is a setup for a joke. It's not. <laughs> this is actually just me wondering what you're up to this How summer. camping is it? <laughs> um, we're, we're talking about actually going into BC and maybe um, Waterton Lakes. Yeah. The windiest part of the province. Except for Lethbridge. But we don't talk about Lethbridge on this show. That's why I'm not saying anything right now. Yeah. Because I'm not bringing it up. What about you? What are you doing this summer? Not much. Okay. I'm working. Right. As you do. You're not, uh, you're not taking him on vacation? You're not? He just came back from Disney World. Yes, Whoa. just. Just came back. Eight and months ago. We just came back from Disney World. Just in the nick of time, because as of today... You cannot use a selfie stick at Disneyland or Disney World. That's right. So Some people are very disappointed in this yeah. crowd right now. I, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> How, yeah, I guess like people like don't pay attention to what they're doing with them, so they turn around and smash other people with it. That's just rude, really. It's yeah. about time. It's yeah, about time finally justice down. for people who... Uh, I don't know how to finish that <laughs> sentence. We, we live off the rails on this podcast. Yes, we, we were really discussing do. that. Where we're going, there are no rails. No, we don't need them. That's right. But we do need segues. Into comedy. That's right. And so what we're going to do now, <laughs> right? What we're going to do now is introduce a lovely comedian. You may recognize her if you ever go to uh, the Empress Alehouse Sunday Night Comedy. She's the host. And her name is Claire Belford. Hi there. Hey guys. Uh, can you give it up for your hosts here, Adam and Scott? I just want to kill them. Yes, I am uh, I'm your comedy portion. We're going to comedy right now. Hope you guys are ready to get comedied. Uh, I'm pretty excited. Uh, my name, yeah, as they said, my name is Claire. <laughs> I need a lot of space, apparently. My name is Claire, uh, but I spell Claire kind of weird. It's just C L A R E. There's no I in my name. Uh, which I never really thought about that much until somebody asked me recently if I preferred Claire or Clar. <laughs> I was like, Claire, obviously. Uh, the one that's a name. But like I'm a comedian, you know, like I want to be remembered. I, maybe I kind of look like a Clar. I don't know, like if, if it'll help you find me on Twitter later, you can call me Clar. <clears throat> I can call you Betty. And Betty, when you call me, you can call me Clark. <laughs> oh my God, you guys kind of liked that. That was great. People normally hate that, so <laughs> I like you guys already. This is this is great. This is so exciting. Um, this is such a great venue. I'm like, this is beautiful in here. Uh, great acoustics. The bathrooms work, <laughs> so that's wonderful, right? Those bathrooms are solid. You guys see those bathrooms? You guys are kind of excited about the bathrooms. I'm thrilled about it. I don't know, good for you guys with your, like, your lives and careers and stuff. I, <laughs> I spend a lot of time at like dingy bars, apparently. <laughs> uh, normally when I'm like, doing comedy at a bar, I'll go into the bathroom and I feel like, like a weird version of Goldilocks. You know, like walk in, try the first stall. It's like, all right, well, uh, this door doesn't work. 
so I try the next stall. It's like, okay, no toilet paper. Uh, but then you try the third stall, and the third stall is just, oh, this door's fucked too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this is fantastic, guys. Uh, plus, I'm uh, just like, this is great, because I had the weirdest set of my life. I was just in Toronto, uh, like, last month, and, uh, yeah, I had to do three minutes of clean material for a very prestigious uh, suburban late-night program that airs at 4 a.m. on Saturdays in Mississauga uh, <laughs> to an audience of no one. <laughs> and when I finished my set, went to sit down, and the host was like, okay, well, comedy's hard, so... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so this is fantastic. Uh, <laughs> that was a fun. That was a fun low point. Um, I've been finding some really cool new low points lately. Uh, Going to go back to the bathroom thing. Um, th make some noise, guys, if you've ever found yourself in a bathroom stall that had no toilet paper. Yeah. Why? But people are so on board to get really enthusiastic about that point. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, that can be uncomfortable when that happens because you you obviously have to ask somebody in the next stall to give you some toilet paper, and that can be awkward for some people. Even more uncomfortable, though, is having to ask that person for more toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, <laughs> that first round didn't quite cut it. Um, <laughs> Another another fun new rock bottom I found uh, recently. Uh, I kept I kept seeing this guy around at like parties and stuff. I thought he was really cute. And then uh, the other night on White Avenue, he asked me for change. So it's like, where are your standards at, Claire? Oh man. Okay, <clears throat> let me switch gears here a little bit, guys. Um, I can't. I feel like I feel like a lot of stuff gets blamed on ghosts. Uh, <laughs> that like, that like really just comes down to poor stacking. <laughs> so it's like, you know, like I just, I think ghosts have probably advanced technologically just like anything else. But like the second a plate falls out of a rickety cupboard, everyone's like, mm, ghost. <laughs> Ghosts are like, Pff. yeah, maybe in the 40s. <laughs> come on, like, come on, I'm busy selling your bank information online. <laughs> Even I can see that cupboard's not structurally sound. <laughs> so you stacked it like an idiot. Sorry, I never know what time it is anymore. Because <sighs> my, a, a dog peed on my watch. <laughs> While it was still on my wrist. <laughs> it's a true story. That happened to me in Montreal. Um, I think that dog owns me now. That <laughs> That happened to me in Montreal. I was on a I was on a cross Canada comedy tour actually in the fall. Uh, it was a lot of fun. More impressive than it sounds, though, or less impressive than it sounds. Nobody asked me to go, <laughs> uh, but I went, and uh, <laughs> it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, I I don't know. I I I really liked it out east, like Toronto and Montreal. I found them like very interesting cities, and I, I invented a new word while I was there. Uh, the, new, uh, the new word is brolerance which, uh, of course, refers to one's tolerance of bros. Because uh, out east, their brolerance level is very low. <laughs> like a drunk guy can, uh, in a tank top can just barge in to a conversation. People don't even humor him. 
<laughs> not in Alberta, right? Like, in Alberta, our brolerance level is very high. Uh, you know, we're just used to humoring bros, <coughs> making the best of, like, a Chad situation, if you will. <laughs> but even, even outside of the big cities, I really enjoyed the, dri the drive across Canada was great, because it's mostly small towns, and I find, I find small towns hilarious, because uh, they have the best names for stuff. Uh, we went through one town, had the most aptly named bowling alley I've ever seen. It was called H.J.'s Bowling, right, <laughs> guys? You know, good old hand jobs and bowling, right? <laughs> oh, it's going to get racy, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I thought it, that made sense, because it's like, you know, those are two things that, like, nobody really wants that bad. <laughs> uh, like, they both seemed really fun when we were young, but, <laughs> like, now you pretty much only ever do it when you're drunk, right? And you're basically just killing time till the pizza gets there. Am I right, ladies? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, also, while I was on the road, um, <laughs> just hearing someone groan, oh my god. <laughs> also, while I was on the road, it was fun. I got to try online dating for the first time. I, I tried Tinder for the first time. thought it might be a good way to like meet people in different cities. Uh, but I didn't really enjoy it. That Has anybody tried Tinder here? Anybody else? If we're familiar, at least, with the swipe left, swipe right kind of shallow thing. Anyway. Um, I didn't enjoy it that much. I didn't think it was that great. But I did really enjoy how hilariously regional it was. Like I feel like you could really find out a lot about uh, a region's culture based on their Tinder profiles. <laughs> like, Montreal was great. Montreal was awesome. Uh, it was my favorite one. Uh, you know, everyone's just, like, fashionable, has good haircuts, and, like, n cool tattoos and stuff. Uh, Toronto and Vancouver were also good, a bit sportsier. Uh, but then I found, like, you got anywhere away from the city, and everyone's holding a fish. <laughs> everyone's profile picture, they're holding a fish. And it's like a ter the photo quality is terrible, super pixelated. They're wearing a life jacket and, like, those awful Geordie LaForge wraparound sunglasses. And it's just like, why? Why is this the picture you would choose to attract a woman? Like, are there a lot of women on Tinder that are like, okay, but how big of a fish can he catch? <laughs> Just swiping left, getting frustrated, like, oh, jackfish, 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 jackfish. Oh, shit, was that a walleye? No! <laughs> oh, my God, I can't believe I just swiped left on a walleye. <laughs> One bad thing did happen while I was on the road, though. Uh, out of nowhere, I got a very, like, weird gum infection. Like, my gums got really swollen up and painful. And, like, I had no idea what was causing it. I was freaking out because I was, like, just, like, really hoping it was a medical problem. You know? You guys know what I'm talking about? I think that may be kind of a Canadian thing. I've been there just like, oh, God, like, please, just let this be cancer. I cannot afford to go to the dentist right now. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I was up, like, with this infection one night, just, like, in a lot of pain. I couldn't sleep. I was just, like, pacing around. Uh, this is why I cleared this space, <laughs> so I could demonstrate the pacing. Uh, no, this is not. I don't know why I did that. Uh, 
But I just, I could, so I, I was panicking. So I started Googling possible causes of swollen gums. Because that's obviously a great way to calm yourself down and get some sleep. Uh, and I found this like very intimidating website with like a big long list of very serious dental problems <laughs> that can lead to swollen gums. And I'm just going through this list in a panic, looking for like anything I can take to my doctor. Uh, and apparently there is one possible medical cause of swollen gums that I, I did not see coming at all. Apparently pregnancy can lead to swollen gums. So I was like, well, <laughs> guess I'll see what my dentist has to say. <laughs> Pretty cool guy. Don't see how I could be pregnant. I've just been going bowling and giving hand jobs. So. <laughs> I had more to talk about, but I forgot what it was. Um, already covered that watch piece stuff. Um, uh, before I get out of here, uh, I have a few more things I want to say. First of all, give it up for your wonderful staff here at the Citadel and your bartenders. Yeah. Bartenders aren't in the room, but I'll tell them you said that. They were, they'll be appreciative. Uh, <laughs> I always love to do that because I'm a server, and I never get to do that at work. Uh, so I have to do it up here. Um, and I just think that like serving or bar bartending or whatever would be really difficult at a place where people are telling jokes. Uh, because I think the worst part about my job is when people try and tell me jokes. Uh, so, you know, like... Somebody asks for Pepsi, and you're like, is Coke okay? And they're like, oh, is Monopoly money okay? <laughs> and you have to laugh because you want their money. <laughs> but it's just like, don't even ever bother making jokes to your server because like you will never be as funny as kids. Kids are like so off the cuff hilarious. Like I was serving this one table recently. Uh, it was kind of a bigger table and I got a little flustered. I took a little while getting back with their drinks and uh, I got back to the table and the one kid at the table was like, see dad, she is coming back. just so gold. I don't, <laughs> I don't even normally get along with kids. Uh, like, you know, we, we just don't have anything in common, you know? Like, we don't have the same problems or anything. Like, my problems are all, like, money and debt related. Kids' problems are, like, when people find out they're tired. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's not the same. Um, like, my niece, uh, Brooke, she's eight. She's always trying to tell me jokes. She's like, Auntie Clar, Auntie Clar. Have you heard this one? Beans, beans, the magical fruit. The more you eat, the more you toot. It's like, yeah. Brooke, I have heard that one. <laughs> I'm a comedian. <laughs> Which apparently is like a, it's, it's too hard a criticism for Brooke. She can't handle that. So I've got to try and smooth it over. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, you like jokes. I like jokes. <laughs> uh, who even gives hand jobs when they're not drunk? Am I right? Like, <laughs> I swear I had more to talk about. Um, what did I miss? Mm, don't think I missed anything. I'll tell one more. Um, okay, so. Uh, <clears throat> I'm, uh, I'm uh, is anybody else, any, is anybody here, does anybody drive in from the suburbs tonight? Is anybody here from the suburbs? Nobody. Keep them in the suburbs, right? <laughs> I grew up from the, I, well not, I grew up in the suburbs. Uh, and uh, I don't know, I, I guess you guys aren't familiar, but uh, I'm sure we can all agree that the worst part about the suburbs uh, are the ghettos, right? 
No. <laughs> Just my town. I don't know. <laughs> I grew up, it, some, it was the weirdest thing. I in the town I grew up in, there was this neighborhood that was like affectionately referred to as the ghetto. And uh, I was just like always so confused by this. Uh, I would get in arguments with people all the time like, this isn't a ghetto. Like <laughs> this, is this is not what a ghetto is. And people would be like, oh, but Claire, it's ghetto for St. Albert. <laughs> it's like, oh, but ghetto's not a relative term. Like, it means something pretty specific. Uh, and I've never been in a ghetto, but, I, like, I have watched HBO's The Wire three times, so I'm like, pretty sure these potholes aren't as big of a deal as you think they are. <laughs> <laughs> but my neighborhood didn't get this ghetto rap for no reason. Like, uh, there was a fairly old neighborhood of condos where some uh, pot dealers lived, so <laughs> it was pretty rough. Uh, these guys weren't like ghetto dealers, right? Like, these guys weren't like sitting on the corner, you know, like sipping 40s, dropping bodies, like in ghettos, right? Like these guys, these guys got into the game because they wanted to play Xbox and Nate was hard. <laughs> these are people with the decency to a phone and arrange a subtle meetup with a teenager in their car at the mall, okay? Like, these are the kinds of people you want your kids buying drugs from. <laughs> so what I'm trying to say is uh, the suburbs really are a great place to raise a family. <laughs> um, I'm going to leave you with that, guys. I've been Clark. Uh, i got to go check in with that dog that owns me. So thanks so much for having me. Have a good night. Keep it going for Clara, ladies and gentlemen. Clara Belford. She is amazing. I also am from St. Albert, so I can vouch that there is a ghetto in St. Albert that is totally ghetto for St. Albert. Um, which is to say it's actually really beautiful and a really nice place to live because I lived in it. Anyway, um, this next segment is one that has been a super long time in the making. And it's what, let's be honest, most of you are here for tonight. Um, We've been talking about doing this segment literally since the show began, and somehow it's taken until tonight to make it a reality. Adam is backstage trying to cue up music, and uh, he told me to talk for as long as possible while he figured out his laptop. Adam, are you ready to go? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Battle of the Trexes. What does that mean, you ask? You'll find out in a moment. But first, I have to call some people up on stage, starting with the representative this evening for the original series of Star Trek. She is a journalist, a bowler. <laughs> and I know this because I bowl with her every Tuesday night during the winter. Ladies and gentlemen, Samantha Power. Now, she when bring, we were, is, does she have notes? Did she bring notes for she, this? She. Oh no. She, you were prepared to speak to any of the series. I wanted to make sure I could. Okay. So now, Sam, we'll get you. We'll get you a mic. Just step forward for a moment and show people 
your Star Trek swag. Because if you notice, her skirt is actually legit. And she's wearing a Batleth necklace. Now, a Batleth is a Klingon <laughs> weapon. Um, that's all. Okay. It's larger than the Mechleth. I didn't, I didn't know there was a, <laughs> a smaller... smaller knife type. I mean, I knew that. I know you did. Somewhere in there, you did know. Somewhere, somewhere in here. Somewhere in there. Okay. And then, representing the next generation, he hosts a hyper-local podcast called The Unknown Studio. He looks dashing in a suit and a salmon-colored shirt. Scott C. Bourgeois. Oh, that's me. Oh, yes. Right. I was waiting for So, Scott, if you could grab... Well, you don't need a mic stand, but if you could stand here, that would be fabulous. Now, you've heard his voice several times tonight. And it's been pretty okay. Representing Deep Space Nine, Devin R. Bruce. You've also heard this fellow's name, or voice, rather. Not, I don't think you've heard, I think you heard his name once. But you're about to hear it for a second time. From Apocalypse Cow, Joel Forth, representing Star Trek Voyager. Now, Enterprise is objectively the worst of the Star Trek series. Get out. <laughs> I'll prove you wrong, Greg Beaver, I, I'm telling you. And so I wrote uh, responses to the questions that are going to be asked for this person to come up and talk about. She's just launched her podcast on this very show, originally from the Edmonton Journal, always from Edmonton, Karen Unland. Karen, Maybe if you come right over here. A little scooching. There we go. The show is so bad, I actually blocked that it existed until you said that. We yeah. couldn't find anyone to come on and defend Enterprise, <laughs> so we foisted well, it upon someone. <laughs> yes, I. Karen actually hasn't seen Enterprise. Is that correct? No, I, I, I literally blocked it. We did watch it when it came out, and then I forgot it existed until I read the spec. You, you and most everyone else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah so... It's terrible. <laughs> but we'll get into that later. Uh, the way this works is I'm going to ask three questions of our panelists, and each of them will answer in turn uh, questions about what makes the series that they're representing the best Star Trek series. And we're going to start with which series had the best captain? Samantha Power, will you start us off with the original series? All right, so as I was thinking about this, I think the obvious answer we always hear about Kirk is that he's a fighter. Um, he takes action immediately. But as I contemplated it, I really thought about how Kirk is actually a lover, and he's quite passionate. And there's the obvious answer that he, you know, made out with a lot of alien chicks. Mm, yeah. yeah, that is a legitimate <laughs> response to the question. <laughs> but <laughs> he also passionately loved his friends, who he listened to and who directed him uh, on his, uh, his uh, decision-making process. And he held them in high esteem and created great teamwork among the crew, who, as we saw through the movies, stood by him uh, passionately and always tried to rescue him out of any scenario that he needed. And with some pretty heavy gay subtext. Uh, th I guess that argument could be made, yes. <laughs> We've all seen Star Trek V, even though none of us wants to admit it. 
Well, who doesn't want to go camping with Spock and Kirk and McCoy? Touche. <laughs> Touche. Great answer, Samantha Power. Thank you. I feel weird being the only person without a stand. So I'm going to get a mic stand. Also, you have my mic. Eh. I just I feel weird. Whatever. So, Scott, tell us why you think Captain Picard is the best captain. Well, Picard, of course, is a renaissance man. He is a master of all. He is a diplomat. He is a scholar. He is an artist. There is nothing, and as we've seen in the movies, he is also a kick-ass fighter and also, at times, Vash, a lover. Picard is all things, as he should be as a leader of a diverse and versatile crew as he is on the Enterprise D and other less nameable enterprises later on. <laughs> also, I, I have to point out, because it actually just took place recently, he is one of the only captains, I believe, to have a day named after him. Captain Picard Day. That's right. That's because he is the best captain. Well, let's see if Devin R. Bruce has anything to say about that. Deep Space Nine, Captain Sisko. For the record, I was asked to do this 15 minutes before <laughs> the show started. Doesn't matter. <laughs> but uh, Captain Benjamin Sisko is easily the best of the captains. Do you want to talk about a diverse crew, Scott? A diverse crew? How about running an entire space station made up of multiple cultures, each of whom hate each other and don't want them to be there? And somehow he kept that place from blowing up mostly every week. <laughs> um, he, uh, he's an interesting person because he actually does not like Captain Picard, the most well-loved person in that version of the Star Trek universe, and he has legitimate grievances against him, and yet can still work with him when the situation calls for it. He is passionate but keeps things close to the vest. When he finds uh, someone he cares about, he is loyal to them and... and, and uh, the other thing is, he delegates very well. Someone, he, he does not need to be in control of everything all of the time. He will be able to say, no, oh, that is Kira's job, that is Odo's job, that is whoever's job. Um, but he knows enough about his crew to know that he can trust them. And yet, if something's going wrong, he doesn't need to step in and reprimand them. He can just say like, oh, I thought you'd be better at that. And then they get better at it. <laughs> That's what they call good writing. And good captaining. And good captaining. Thank you, Devin R. Bruce. Ooh. Over to you, Joel. Why is Captain Janeway the best captain? Well, first of all, she's a lady. <laughs> so that's weird and edgy in a futuristic kind of way to have a <laughs> lady in a... Um... But really, she has an unwavering sense of morality, um, really only when it pertains to preventing Voyager from actually getting home. <laughs> um, Tom Paris develops the transwarp drive again, but it might disturb some you know, interstellar lichen living in a nebula, so can't use it. Um, also, she's the only um, species to, or not, not the only species, the only captain to populate an entire planet with a species. You may not know this, but in the first season, uh, she and Tom Paris turned into some sort of weird catfish creature, <laughs> and they had weird catfish sex, and um, nobody ever talked about it ever again. That's because that is the only episode of Star Trek that is not considered canonical anymore. 
they have just stricken it from existence. Maybe there's a reason for that, but still, <laughs> Captain Janeway rules. Thank you very much, Joel. And finally, representing Captain Jonathan Archer for some reason, Karen Unlin reading a canned answer. Captain Jonathan Archer was a shadow of the captains of other series and barely demonstrated the sophistication and class it takes to lead a Starfleet vessel. If you really like Scott Bakula, you should rewatch Quantum Leap and pretend Enterprise never happened. That is correct. <laughs> His last leap was to the Starship Enterprise. Yeah. Oh, and after right. that, the or um, what's his name didn't want to help him. Ziggy and that guy. Oh. He was Al. on an episode. Yes. The actor. Yeah. But no one remembers because no one watched that show. There you go. Except for Greg Beaver, <laughs> who's in the audience, really upset. So I have a question for you, audience: Is the best captain, by show of applause, Captain James T. Kirk? Is it? Captain Jean-Luc Picard? Is it Benjamin Lafayette Sisko? Was it Captain Catherine, I don't know her middle name, Janeway? That is all. It sounded like there was a, a th you know, I was actually surprised about the weak applause for Captain Kirk. <laughs> There's an outraged man in this audience. But I, th I really do think Captain Picard took that one. Yeah. It was close. It was close, buddy. Was okay. Close. Question the second. Which series had the best starship? Starting with Joel. Okay. Well, a lot of people think that Voyager was cool because it's a faster ship and it's a sleek design. But seriously, it has an unlimited supply of shuttlecraft. <laughs> unlimited. You can lose any number of shuttles you want on any number of planets across the entire Delta Quadrant. Always have tons of shuttles. You know, oh, can we go on an away mission? Yeah, we've got some shuttles. Yeah. We're probably going to lose the shuttle. That's okay. We've got more. For a very small ship, it has a lot of shuttles. Um, that's about all I can think of. That was a very good answer. Very good. Devin R. Bruce, I guess you can pick one of the runabouts or the Defiant. Or the other Defiant. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I can't, I, can't pick, I can't pick the space station. You can pick whatever you want. Because they moved it from, yeah, from Bajor it. to the wormhole. Yeah, they moved it. Yeah, yeah. I know all about it. Um... I think I'm going to stick with Deep Space Nine, the station itself. The Defiant, I mean, it's, it, it, the Defiant, yeah, it, it speaks to what that show was, um, which was not an exploration show. It wasn't the Enterprise. They weren't going off and seeking other things. The Defiant was like, no, we will stand here and fight. And that's what the deal was with uh, Deep Space Nine, the, the what is it? Uh, station, yeah, the station. Um, it speaks to the... The reason that it's, it's interesting is because it's a different kind of show. Every other show goes out to explore something. Deep Space Nine is the hub. It's where everything happens. Things come to you, and then you have to deal with it. It's got, um, it's, it's, it's the focal point for the entire show. Um, less, less so, you know, um, oh, we're gonna explore this new, this new place. It's this culture comes here and we have to 
make, figure out how they work in our ecosystem. And I think that's a, a really different view. It's a, it's a different show be, than every other Star Trek show, and it's because of Deep Space Nine. You're not going anywhere, except you know, slightly towards the wormhole and then slightly away from the wormhole again. <laughs> um, you, this is your home. This is where you live, and people come to see you, and I think that's really interesting. Deep Space Nine, Space Canada. <laughs> that's it. Scott, representing NCC-1701-D. The USS Enterprise-D was the Corsair series Edsel <laughs> of starships with its sleek design and its luxurious interior. You don't compare the thing that you want people to vote for to the Edsel. <laughs> yeah, that thing also like exploded all the time. Probably. The Edsel. Not so the did the Enterprise in a couple episodes, and then time loops happened. Anyway, the, uh, the Enterprise-D is a sleek, beautiful starship, and it was a huge design leap from the blocky Lego starship of the previous generation. It was what took Starfleet into the beautiful, luxurious, Apple-like future <laughs> of Star Trek. And uh, I, I really think that it was, it, compared especially to some of the movie starships, which again, we will not mention, it looked, it looked beautiful. It looked you were, like you were in a Rolls Royce, just rolling across the galaxy, meeting new people, and saying, hey, we're Starfleet. We look great. <laughs> Good answer. So sleek design, constantly malfunctioning holodecks. <laughs> like the Edsel, really. It's like the Apple future. It's new technology, so of course it's kind of broken. Okay. There you uh, go. Also, Wesley Crusher could easily break it all the time. But yeah. <laughs> Because Wesley, Wesley Crusher was Will Wheaton. Yeah. We're not going to talk about Wesley tonight. Because fuck that guy. Samantha, the original Enterprise. Well, I was actually going to make an argument for the leggy, Lego uh, blocky design of the 1701 original series Starship. Bring it. Because I, th I love the practicality of that starship. Like, the gym is just kind of two bars attached to a wall where you pull yourself up. And I don't know what more you need from a gym, but a few mats and some bars. Sam has never been to a gym before. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but also, sickbay um, had those great sort of push pedals uh, to perform your physical. Um, and then, of course, the food was uh, lovely colored blocks that looked very space age and probably very nutritious. Um, and the rec room, where people congregated to sing songs uh, and entertain each other. And play so their lyres. Yes, play their Vulcan lyres. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think there's some uh, great simplicity and, and practical. Uh, oh, oh, the other thing was engineering, where uh, Khan and Kirk could just kind of pick anything up and throw it at each other <laughs> to... Rip uh, each other's shirts. Yeah. <laughs> Very important. Um, uh, so, yeah, practical design. You, you make an excellent point. And now, because we have to, Karen, tell us why the Enterprise NX-01 is the best starship. It is not the best one. It, it, was <laughs> it was a ship out of its time with a polish that looked almost J.J. Abrams-esque, insultingly so. One can respect that it's the first Starfleet vessel to bear the name Enterprise, but my sincerest apologies that this series ever saw the light of day. 
Great answer. <laughs> so wisdom. it's timeless wisdom. Is timeless wisdom. Yeah. Who? Which series had the best uh, ship or uh, unmoving space station? <clears throat> Not to bias the audience. Uh, was it the original Enterprise? Was it the Enterprise D? Ooh. The Corsair. The flag. Why would the flagship be a Corsair? <laughs> uh, was it Deep Space Nine? Was it Voyager? And we'll ask the question, was it Enterprise NX-01? <laughs> Greg Beaver in the back. The winner is the Starship Voyager for some reason. It was a pretty ship. It was, it was a good-looking ship. ship. Plus, the nacelles did that thing when it went into war. It could land. It was the only one that could I don't think Deep Space Nine could land. You know, Joel, you didn't really explore the totality of what that ship could do. Well, it could land. Its, its holodecks could run. Okay, we're, we're done. Continually. It's, it's had biogel stuff. Save energy, yeah. you know. It was also the only starship that could get a virus. Not like a computer virus, but like the flu, which was a great idea, Starfleet. It also got fleas one time. Yes. Giant space fleas, yes. Don't tell them they're wrong. <laughs> it's, it's too late. It's too late. The audience has decided. We're down to our last question, and that question is, which series had the best main crew alien character? So, and I, I know that some of, this, some of the series had a variety of alien crew members, so I will allow you to select. Because of the time, uh, the original series only had Spock. And so let's start there, Sam. Well, I'm, I might make kind of a strange argument for Spock. Uh, as I was rereading um, I Am Spock by Leonard Nimoy, I'm kind of making more of a case for Leonard Nimoy in this instance because he really made sure that he was setting the tone for how Spock operated on the ship. Uh, and Leonard Nimoy, if he hadn't been there, I feel Spock, uh, based on his memoirs, it would have been all over the place. He could have been any alien at any moment. But Leonard Nimoy really ensured that this that Spock was someone who was constantly questioning humanity's purpose and uh, really transmitting, uh, sort of transferring uh, Gene Roddenberry's intent with the Vulcan. Uh, and then he also um, ensured, he sort of set the tone for Vulcans in general. Um, and he taught the actress who played T'Pau uh, different ceremonial sort of uh, Vulcan uh, traditions and that sort of thing. So. Um, he was he was the one who kind of set the standard for how uh, Vulcan the Vulcan culture uh, would evolve, and then how um, the aliens would interact and question humanity uh, throughout the Trek series. Good answer, <laughs> Leonard Nimoy. May he rest in peace, Scott. Who will you be talking about, Counselor Deanna Troy? Ooh, interesting choice. I'll allow is, it. Is on the Starship Enterprise. Data <laughs> is an android and not an alien. Worf is an alien crew member. Worf served two roles on the Starship Enterprise. Number one, he was the first really good in-depth exploration of Klingon culture. He was an opportunity for them to take a look at an adversary from the original series in a new light and give it more depth and more structure, and it is a testament to Michael Dorn that he had a part 
to play in that. He helped develop Klingon language, Klingon culture, and uh, create kind of a, a new consistent look at what was basically sneaky alien race number two in the original series. Something that Deep Space Nine, yes, yes, they did more stuff with Klingons, whatever. <laughs> Worf's other role on the Starship Enterprise was to be the barometer of danger. Because if Worf could get one punched by the bad guy, oh shit, it's on. And that happened every single episode. <laughs> he was their badass chief of security, and he got beaten by everything on the ship because now it's dangerous, you guys. Worf just got knocked out. That is why Worf is a great alien crew member. Very interesting. Very interesting. And I stole him before Deep Space Nine could. Yeah, maybe I should have let Devin go first, but you've got a wide array. I do. To choose I was from. my 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 original bit was going to be I also choose war for all those reasons, <laughs> um, but no, because no, um, it it's not a crew member necessarily. That's okay. It's Quark. Ooh. He counts. He counts. Quark is the best alien on Deep Space Nine because he's the character, A, from a purely plot and character perspective, he's the character who has a meaningful relationship with every other main character in the show. Every other main character, whether it's he wants to sleep with uh, Major Kieran Reese, or he's always at odds with Odo, or he's got a really good, um, uh, really interesting relationship with the Doctor, he has a good strong, clear relationship with every other character in the show, and I think that is very important. He is also an exploration of a villain that was introduced in a previous series. At the beginning of uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, the Ferengi were these weird kind of barbarian merchant things. Sneaky alien race number four. Exactly. And, and Quark uh, is the conduit to which you explore um, a, a very weird, interesting alien race who enjoys ear-touching and is very mercantile and, and it, it's very strange the way that, that, that they, they hone this code and they're not greedy and evil, they're just greedy, but if they can make the right decision, they will if they get profit out of it. Um, the other thing that I like about Quark is that he causes a lot of bad stuff to happen on the show, <laughs> which is where the plot happens. <laughs> if you don't have Quark, it's kind of boring. Uh, and the last thing is, uh, Armin Shimmerman is actually a really good actor, um, and the fact that he could do a lot um, with a performance under a bunch of makeup is similar to Michael Dorn. Um, and, and really uh, take a character who could have been very easily a one-note, greedy, grabby, um, snidely, snively kind of character and give him a lot of depth and a lot of interest. I think that's a really uh, testament to the writing and to the actor, and I think Quark is probably the reason that show works the way it does. Wow, Quark as a plot device, and that ear-touchy thing, by the way, for the uninitiated, is called Umox. Umox. So next time you're with your lover, don't say that. It's super gross. Because it's weird. It's weird. Joel, who are you going to tell us is the best alien crew member? Tuvix. So you're you're going not, for not Nevok, but Tuvix. You're going for a character that was in one show. Well, let me finish. Okay. Tuvix, one half Talaxian Neelix, the ambassadorial friendly cook fella <laughs> that everyone really wonders why he's there. 
Uh, and one half to Vok, the logical, um, peaceful man with, quite frankly, an unhealthy rep. Um, what's that when you when you repress or unhealthy repression of his emotions? Um, so he's he's both of those things, and then Captain Janeway murders him, <laughs> which is something that would never have happened if Seven of Nine had been on the show at that time. Um, which is why Seven of Nine is the best alien. On Whoa! <laughs> I see what you did a there. Bait and switch going on. That there. was that was amazing. <laughs> that was sort of interesting. Sort of interesting. <laughs> finally, finally, the last alien, or or one of the last aliens, for there were a couple on Enterprise, which is weird. But I've selected someone for Karen. Yeah. So tell us about this person. Mike keeps grouping, so it's like your enthusiasm for enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, thank you. If you like racism and objectification, then to pause your girl. Her character was written so poorly that the writers forgot logic had to be a factor for a Vulcan character, as in it was illogical that the character of Tapau sucked so hard. <laughs> On behalf of Paramount Television, I would like to formally apologize for Enterprise. <laughs> that, that was correct. <laughs> we could have also done uh, the do Dr. Flocks, but... He actually was kind of neat. He was the polygamist of the crew. <laughs> he was. That was le legitimate. Okay, so, starting with uh, <laughs> T'Pol, was she the best alien character? <laughs> So I'm, I I was, I'm really glad I nipped that in the bud. Uh, seven of nine in a roundabout way. Quark on Deep Space Nine. Worf on The Next Generation. And Nimoy's Spock on the original series. I know, man. I know, but the audience doesn't lie, and I'm afraid I heard just a little bit more enthusiasm for Quark. Now, I did have a fourth question that involved which series ended the best, but it's a totally unfair question, in a way. Also, uh, you haven't seen the end of Deep Space Nine. I have not seen the end of Deep Space Nine. And Joel hasn't seen the end of Voyager. I haven't. I assume they get home. <laughs> and... <laughs> I assume Quark Spo saves the day. Spoiler. Uh, and no one saw the end of Enterprise. <laughs> except for you, and I'm so sorry. It, like, ended in a holodeck simulation. Whoa, you saw the end of Whoa. Enterprise. I watched I the whole fucking thing, and that's why I know it's terrible. I in fa in fact, the well. end of Enterprise was an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Yes. Yeah. That's how they tried to pull out of that nose. And if I spoiled it for you, uh, you're welcome. Go watch something else, uh, like you, Dexter. You realize he's standing right here and is watching the show. Yeah, it's really sad. Sorry. Anyway, thank you so much to our Battle of the Trexes panelists. And then there were two. And then there were two. Wow. This one's louder. Uh, we've, we've gone on a journey this evening. A, a, a terrifying one. Like a roller coaster. There were ups, there were downs. 
there were screams of excitement. There was a watch that got peed on by a dog. I don't even know why I'm clearing off the uh, microphones. It's just, I feel I feel like we should take up more of the stage so for this, the final few moments of the... <laughs> the last time I did this, I actually ripped these pants. Do not do that. They've been sewn up here very poorly, I think. You, did you guys notice? You did. Oh, you did. Oh, my God. Well, someone was looking directly at your butt. Well, no, no, I was not. Yes, you were, ma'am. Um, we have a lot of people to thank. We do. And we're going to start with our friends here at the Citadel Theater. Yes. We're doing such a great job tonight. We uh, kind of fell backwards into having the space for tonight, and it's turned out really great, I think. Yeah. It's a really nice space. Thank you so much for helping us this evening. To Norman's Bistro, they supplied the drinks for the evening, so huge applause to them. We have to thank Joel separately. He's very sick, you guys. He's very, very sick. And he came out to sing anyway. Thank you so much to Joel and Apocalypse Cow. Unbelievable music tonight, you guys. Thank you so much. We would be remiss if we didn't thank Claire Belford for doing a comedy set for us. You were fantastic. Great fun. She is at the Empress on Sunday nights. Every Sunday, right? So get down there this weekend. Sam. Sam Power, Power. sitting in the front. Sitting in the front. Volunteered Def to be in our Battle of the Trexes. She defended Star Trek and its virtues. Very well, might I add. Very well. I thought, I thought Spock was going to win that last one. I'm not going to lie. When I asked her to do this, she was just like, I was like, what series do you want to do? She's like, what do you got? <laughs> I'll do anything. She, she came with reams of research. It was amazing. Yeah. We have to thank, of course, Karen Unland for joining us on stage to tell Very us special guest. about the future of media. And to essentially launch her new podcast. Yeah, using yeah. our show as a platform for yours. I think, <laughs> I think you will see a steady decline. Um, You'll get the anti-bump. You are right in the middle. Great job. Uh, Joel Forth and uh, Devin R. Bruce for coming up and being our Battle of the Treks. Kind podcast. of last minute, too. Thank Very you, guys. Very last minute. <clears throat> Scott, I'd really like to thank you. Really? For showing up tonight. I did do that. You did. And I'd like to thank you oh. for being a handsome gentleman. Wow. Yes. We're going to go to a bowling alley later. <laughs> you know why. And for nachos, you, yeah. really. That's, we're not in shape at all. Uh, fun, fun tangential story. I actually did go bowling recently because of a bachelor party that I went to. And I have not been bowling in years. And afterwards, I was like, oh, God, why? This is not a pleasant feeling. That must have been the weirdest HJ you ever had. It was. <laughs> Ow! I don't think the right thing. Why was... else would you go to? A, why else would you go to a bowling alley, uh, bowling alley for a bachelor party, guys? Come on. Well, now we know. I actually do bowl every Tuesday with Sam. It's not a euphemism. We literally go bowling. It's actually quite fun. Before we no one is ever going to be able to think of bowling the same way again yeah, after that's the right. show. Before we wrap for tonight, two things to mention. One, the Unknown Studio does have a Patreon campaign where we ask people, even though the show is free, and it will always be free, to donate a little bit of money every month from one zero. You don't actually have to donate. That's right. To as much money as you want. Literally to support the as show. much money as you want. You can give us all of your money. We will take it. We'll ask you why. Well, probably not. No. 
Most we'll be like, oh my money. God, what an idiot. Uh, they're life savings. But, uh, you. you know, help us do interesting things like this with the show. So that's at patreon.com slash unknown studio. And the second thing we need to say is that I believe if, if Joelle is okay, we're going to end the show with one more tune from Apocalypse Cow. Come on up here, gentlemen. Thank you, everyone, for coming. Tip your waitress. Just kidding. We don't have waitresses. Okay, bye. You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, episode 118. Our guests, Karen Unland, Samantha Power, Claire Belford, and Apocalypse Cow. Pre-production by Adam Rosenart. Post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois. Subscribe today at patreon.com slash unknownstudio. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening. We had this awesome in rehearsal. <laughs> All right. Check. Hello. Okay. Check. This all, thank you. Uh, by the way, a round of applause again for Scott and Adam for doing a great show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, this is our last song, and this is also a song we've never performed before in front of an audience, and a song that I hadn't heard until about a week and a half ago. Hurt me while I adjust my accoutrements. On this one, this problem. Hey, baby, even though I hate you, I gotta love you. Cause even though I can't forgive you, I really want to. Tell me, tell me, baby, why can't you leave me? Cause even though I shouldn't want it, I gotta have it. Head in the clouds, got no weight on my shoulders. I should be wiser and realize that I've got one I got one less problem without you. I got one less, one less problem. One less problem without you. I know you're never gonna wake up, I gotta give up I know I should never call back, I'll let you come back Every time you touch me, and say you love me I get a little bit breathless, I shouldn't want it I got 99 problems without you. I got one less, one less problem. You got one less problem without you. You got one.
now it's time for a breakdown. Never gonna get it, 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 never gonna get it. Whoa, 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 whoa! Never gonna get it, 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 never get it. One less, one less problem. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you.